Welcome to this week's episode of Food Safety University, and today we are doing part two of my interview with the best brother in the whole wide world, Charlie Tidd, talking about enterprise resource planning, and today we are really diving into data and KPIs and all the nitty-gritty stuff that you have to think about when you are doing an implementation. So, again, pen, paper, super important this week. I'll see you on the inside. Welcome to Food Safety University. I'm Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele, and this is the one podcast where you can get everything you need to know about food safety and how to run a food manufacturing plant for all of those small and local food manufacturers. If you are into local and sustainable food and agriculture, this is the podcast for you. Every week we cover new and original ideas around how to get the most out of your HACCP planning and how to get your plant up and running and continue running in a way that fulfills your dreams. So grab a pen and paper because every week you're going to need it. See you on the inside. Hello, 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 my friends, and welcome back. I am here with the most epically awesome brother ever. Um, I sang his praises at the beginning of the last uh, podcast, and so I'm going to sing his praises a little more because I can. It's my podcast. Um, (laughs) So Charlie is not only amazing at, like, um, data-driven materials resource planning, he's also a really great dad, too, Um, my nephews and my niece. He's a wonderful husband to my sister-in-law, whom I love very much. And I am reasonably certain when Charlie started dating her, I was like, don't screw this up. (laughs) Oh, no, that's a direct quote. I I remember you. You were closing the van. Uh, (laughs) You and mom and Molly were were headed back to New Jersey. uh, And you're closing the back of the van after uh, spending two, three days at, at my place in Lowell. And, uh, and, and you're about to climb in the car and drive off. You turned to me and you said, Charlie, she's awesome. Don't screw this up. I said, yep, I don't intend to. And fingers crossed I haven't so far. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, it's super funny because, you know, our families are, our families are pretty close and we got to spend some time together, thank God. Yes. <laughs> But, you know, it's super funny because very process-oriented people, and we are going to, we are going to be having the process conversation. (laughs) Um, Very process-oriented people, you know, like, we, we like love a process. And I feel like we bring that both to our families and to our work. (laughs) So... I um I didn't marry a particularly process-oriented person. <laughs> so I mean he is in his own way because of course he did he was a computer programmer, but his processing has to do with like batching and algorithms. And I just like I'm like, I don't even know, man. 
<laughs> I don't even know. Okay, so last podcast, we talked about the first three steps of, um, of ERPs. And of course, we started with the pre-step, which is what the heck is an ERP. If you haven't gone to listen to that podcast, um, I want you to stop here because the rest of this is going to make zero sense and go listen to last week's podcast. And um, so we talked about what is an ERP. And then we went through the first three steps of the six-step process that I'm always teaching all y'all about, um, which is, you know, what's your team? What problem are you solving? And for whom are you solving the problem? So we covered all of that. And so then that lands us at the, um, at, at the how do you solve the problem? Now, if y'all have been around me um, for how do you solve um, how do you solve a problem? You know, I always ask. I did like, I don't know, eight podcast episodes on this in the, in the spring, the summer, but we always ask who before how, okay? And Charlie, you and I talked a little bit about the results uh, um, that the podcast, or the podcast, the, the, the results that the ERP is going to create. So, if we look at the like at the big picture results, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do a very short proofing box, which is results and who the heck are we going to be, and then we're going to jump into four, which is that the how. But we've already identified some of them. So results are that you've talked about are you know like increasing sales, increasing like trust and credibility of the numbers that you have. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, right. Your ERP, um, if it's working, is going to, uh, right, you'll operate, there, there are a few things. You should see increases in sales uh, because you're operating more efficiently, because your operation is more reliable. You should see, as you said, you should be able to trust your data more because it's being kept in one central place with a defined set of processes on how you transform that data uh, to record the operations in your business. Um, you should, the ERP should lighten the load overall on your business. You should be spending less time double checking and verifying and questioning what's happening. Now, not no time. You always want to operate with your head up and ask the questions and when things don't make sense, dig into them. But um, it, it's, you know, if, if you're getting out of, you know, 50 different spreadsheets and into an ERP, that should definitely, definitely help um, make your team's time more productive because they're spending less time just managing moving the data around and questioning it and going back and re-verifying it. Um, uh, yeah, those, those are the big broad outcomes that you expect from an ERP. The other, the other big one is, is your operation should be more scalable at that point. Because, oh yeah, sure. Right, because then um, you, you, you now have a standard place and standard work that should be repeatable. So if you need to open the new rooftop or increase production, you know, or add another work cell or another warehouse, right? Um, it, it, you now have a framework to put that on. Uh, that makes so, a lot of, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so then 
we always, so we always ask what results are we going for? Because, you know, you gotta, you know, whether you call it true north or, or whatever, you've got to be, you've got to have the, the ship going in, in one direction. And then combining that with what is, you know, this is, you know, I mean, you know me, I always ask questions about emotions at work because we got them, whether or not we acknowledge yep. them or not. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And so, you know, around here, I am constantly talking about how I'm creating results in my business with all of my systems or my clients or whatever in yep. love and service and self-respect. So if we looked at who this team of ERP decision makers and implementers is going to be, what are like the core desired emotions or feelings that you think that they, that, that would create the conditions for success. Um, and I think we've um, identified some of them, like yeah. leadership in service to the project. Um, yes, yes. And to the people, right? The, the, uh, your ERP should be on the whole making everybody's lives easier, right? It, okay. it should be reducing the stress and strain and agita of running the business. So the, the leadership authorizing the expense and the investment um, and making it a priority for the business. Um, you know, not, and, and probably the priority for the business. You have to run the business, but um, this ERP is going to be how you run the business on the day of implementation. You know, you, you always remember that. You're, you know, your business is going to live in this ERP. So uh, this is a, uh, this should be a top priority strategic project for your business uh, if you're going to do it. So, um, so the feelings and the thoughts you're, uh, for the people on the team, they should be bought into that this is a solution to their problems. Um, right. They should be bought into this is going to help lessen the strain on my daily and weekly work that I'll be able to log off on a Friday and not be thinking all weekend about um, uh, do I have to work Saturday to catch up or do I have to work Saturday because the stuff that we absolutely have to have ready for Monday morning isn't ready yet. Mm -hmm. um, um, can so I, I really think the, that yeah. Trust. That's exactly trust, what I was going to say. Trust the data and the process. Yeah. Right. You know, trust that this project is ultimately going to help us because make no mistake about it. An ERP implementation is a huge amount of work for a lot of people. Um, so, you know, if so people really, people need to trust the project's going to go well. People need to trust they're going to have a job after the project. And, you know, a lot of people think, um, oh, you know, the ERP is going to automate everything. Now, ERPs don't generally automate everything. There are some things, uh, and and we'll we'll get into this in the how, uh, you know, but there are some things that will change. Work will shift from from people from some people to other people, and you need to. Um, incorporate that as part of your plan because there are probably some tasks that are being done in your old system 
that will not need to be done in your new system. And the flip side of that coin is there are some tasks that the new system will require that you're not doing today, or it will move work. Uh, the classic example that I've seen um, in ERPs moving work and people getting bitten on the other end is um, you implement an ERP and you tend to, I, I've seen this happen every ERP implementation, pre-ERP implementation, you have an accounts payable clerk or two. And they're just reconciling the invoices from suppliers coming in. After the ERP implementation, you will tend, most large companies will tend to outsource that, that role. And they will move it uh, from the plant to a centralized uh, place with a, usually with a contractor, maybe with people inside the company in a low cost region. Okay, but the critical point is your AP clerks or your AP team had decision making authority in the old system and an outside contractor will not take decision authority in the new system. So where the invoices weren't perfect or the purchasers weren't perfect, you know, where the total bottom line was off by 50 cents and the AP clerk just in the old system had the authority uh, to just pay 50 cents more or write off, you know, close the PO short 50 cents. You know, uh, the, the, the outside company is not gonna do that. They will process all those things. And then that work moves to your purchasing team or to your buyer because then the POs have to be perfect. Now, it's not a bad thing to do in, in the lean world. You really do want your POs to be perfect. You want, before they're executed, you want to agree on the price, the quantity, and the dates ahead of time. Um, and um, especially price and quantity. Dates, they move. But um, so that when the invoice comes, it's documenting exactly what was agreed up front. And then when you pay the invoice, it ties out with the PO exactly. That's, that is the goal in a lean world. Um, but often what I've seen is the old system, there's more fudge factor, there's more plays, people have more authority to make obviously rational business decisions that is then removed in the ERP system because you want to transact everything in the ERP system. And then that work, you know, those AP clerks are generally let go because that's what they do. Their work has moved to a low cost region and that work moves onto the purchasing team. But, and everybody expects that actually you need fewer people in purchasing when you have an ERP implementation because it's easier to issue POs and easier to figure out what to buy. And that is true, but then you have to consider that the, the standard of that work is drastically increased. The quality of those PLs has to be so much greater. And that takes okay. time. And then resolving those issues is what is, takes time. Right. Okay, right. so we're going to get to that in just a minute. So then listening yeah. to that, what it sounds like is we've identified three real key areas yep. of who we're going to be while we're doing yep. this process. 
The number one, yeah. the number one thing is we're going to be leadership and service to the process and the people, mm-hmm. right? There's going to be a lot of trust. Like we have to be people who are, who are, who are trusting, trusting of each other, um, yep. trusting of the system, trusting of the vendor, um, lots of trust in the system. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that you're really talking about, uh, you know, which you could probably argue this is a subset of leadership, but tolerant to discomfort. Yes. Tolerant to not knowing. Yes. You know what right. I mean? Like being able to, 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 to tolerate the, dis, excuse me, the discomfort of how we don't, we can't see all ends when we make a decision about this is how we're going to put in the data and this is not how yep. we're going to put in the data. Right, right. <laughs> You know, because it does come down to those binary decisions sometimes. Yes. You know, and so it's like tolerant to the decision making and okay that we're not going to get it right all the time. Right. And right. Yes. Yes. And willingness to change. Right. Right. So um, I had recommended a book in the last episode, um, Our Iceberg is Melting, about how you build your team. One of the key points that I got out of that is identifying the team members and identifying who you want on your team. And uh, what they said, I I think I have the numbers correct. In any population, 15% of the people are going to be change agents. 15% of the people are going to be resistors. 70% of the people are just going to go along to get along. And they're neither going to promote nor detract. They'll do what you ask them to. Um, and you need, uh, you, you certainly uh, need uh, your change agents and your people who accept your resistors. Uh, you know, those, those are tough. But you need to, when you're forming your team, you know, you need to know, you need to categorize everybody into those three buckets. And you're going to want to put your change agents on your project team because they're mm-hmm. going to be the people who help sell this to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 70%, right? Because it's- And who are, who, who can be an example of what's possible on tolerating yes. discomfort? Yes, right, right. Because they understand, you know, I like, I, it's not original to me, but the, the only constant is change. And, um, you know, and, and uh, you might as well get on board and drive the change that you want to see. And, and, you know, do something interesting and get involved and, and get something out of it. Um, right. So, um, so, uh, you, so, yeah, that's, that's, I'm sorry. I don't have another thought. No, there's, I mean, like, honestly, there's a ton we could talk about, but let's get into the how. Yeah. Okay. So, so we know yep. what results we're trying to create. We know who we're going to yep. be. Right. And so now we've got to get into the actual, like, how right Um, so what's the yeah no so just walk us through you know the decisions the decision's been made yep right we're going through with this we know that the erp is not you know the the promised land we've got the erp plus whatever bolt-on system that's actually going to drive the reporting and help us create actionable knowledge from our data Right, yep. and we made those decisions. Okay, so now right. what's the what's the how? Mm-hmm. The how. So the how involves project management. Okay, 
um, you, you, you will have a, a project manager for this. Now, um, I mean, I, theoretically, you don't, you might not have a project manager, but then you are, uh, <laughs> you're not in for a good time. These are, these are, these are cross-functional, cross-organizational, long-term projects. And you need a project, project manager, you need an implementation leader. Uh, in a small business, that's probably the same person. In a, in a larger business, you probably need an implementation leader who is not, you know, spending all their time just documenting the project management. Um, and you need a project plan, okay? Uh, you also need a team charter. Uh, do the formal teamwork. And we, we were doing some of that, you know, in picking who's on the team and doing the scope and what is, what is not part of the project. But charter a project, document that. Um, take all those good tools from project management and team management and, and lean um, to document those things. Um, start a project plan, um, right? Because you will have limited resources. Hopefully you have carved out um, your, your best individual contributors and your best managers who are, um, who are on that team and that's their full-time role and they're not worried about delivering for your customers for the duration of the project because they have backups who are running the business for you in the interim. Um, but you're still gonna have limited resources. So a project plan is essential um, to documenting uh, what they're going to do and how much time they're going to um, uh, require to do it and um, when it has to be done by. Um, it's, it's these things at a minimum take six months to do. Um, and that, that is a very short time frame for an ERP implementation. I have, uh, what I've seen in, in large businesses is really it's, it's more like 18 or 24 months. Um, okay. And so then in, so you put your project plan together. Okay. And yep. this is not a podcast about project planning. Yep. Okay. Hopefully your vendor has like, you know, like when I, when we're doing a HACCP implementation, right. I'm yep. like, we do this, this week and this, this week and this, this week. Yes. And then, right. Yes. So hopefully your vendor has that. <laughs> there, there, there should be a template and either the vendor is going to do it. If, if it's a, a good vendor to small businesses, is probably going to bring this along. Large businesses will often hire uh, a consulting company to help with okay. this. Okay. So, um, right, you've done all your projects internally, right? Uh, uh, no, we we had uh, we did have outside outside help um, on some of them. Um, okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, they they. Um, and, but, uh, but you're going to need a project manager. Um, and, um, and then the how. So what I have seen work really well is, um, uh, I forget the name of it. 
it was a it was a two week meeting, but you take the entire project team, hopefully take them off site to a place for two weeks. And the first thing that you do is you introduce the project team to the project and then to the ERP that they're going to use. Okay. And you do some rudimentary training for your, mm -hmm. um, for your either su super users or subject matter experts um, on the new ERP. And I, I think that's a critical first step because the, the people who are in the guts and who are going to be designing the new processes and how you use the ERP, first, they have to know what's possible in the new ERP. Uh, what's sure. possible. Okay. And then how the ERP processes information, what it stores, so they can start a mental map of sure. where, where are we today? Where are we going tomorrow? Okay. So that's the first week, right? Some, some high-level training, high-level, but also some detailed training. You know, this is what a purchase order looks like. This is what a production order looks like uh, for your operations folks. You take your finance people through the financial reports. Um, you know, your manufacturing engineers through this is a routing. Um, think, things like that. Um, and then the second week, you start process mapping. Okay. And, you, and what process mapping is, is how do we run the business today? Okay. Who does what? How do they do it? And where are the data stored? And how do they transact that data? Okay. Um, and you, and there are a lot of good tools out there for process mapping and you, you know, what I've seen work really well is you get a roll of paper and you tack it up to the wall and you use sticky notes, okay, yeah. of different colors, right? And you use a scheme that everybody agrees on ahead of time for how you're documenting. And you literally have people walking up to the wall and saying, okay, this is what I do here. Right, what's right. the next step? Who does it? This is what I do here. Where are the cues? Where are the rework loops? Where are the pain points? You know, this is right. often, oh my God, I spend so much time doing this every week and I, I shouldn't have to be doing this, right? But understanding yeah. those things. And, and this is where it's the, I think a lot of the value of an ERP implementation comes in is in making yourself really understand how your business is operating today. A lot of times we're so focused on execution and, and the top line and bottom line numbers and getting product out the door that we forget to concentrate on how we're doing it. And we forget to, to look into and invest time in it. This is the perfect opportunity to do it because then you're gonna take current state and then you're going to map out future state and you're going to look right. at where are the opportunities to remove those rework loops, right? Um, sure. and, and oftentimes just getting people in a room, talking to people, getting people talking about how the process works, the light bulbs start going off above people's heads. Well, that's why you're doing that? No, oh, you don't need to do that anymore. And often you get immediate wins, you know, long before the mm -hmm. ERP implementation. So you process, yeah, you process map your future state and who's going to do what and how things are going to work and mm -hmm. how the data 
get into and then get transformed in the system. Right. Right. That's super interesting. I just wrote a note that we're gonna, I'm going to do a process mapping, you know, because we do process flow diagrams as part mm-hmm. of the HACCP planning process. It's literally step four, um, yep. which is, it's, that's not a um, coincidence, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's yep. step four of the HACCP planning process is process flow diagramming. And I think I, listening to you, I think I make a lot of assumptions with my clients that they understand the 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 all the implications of their process mapping and I think I'm gonna go do a uh I'm gonna go do a podcast so we'll have a whole another podcast on 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 process mapping yeah. um that yeah that I'll come back that I will come back and yeah. do okay all right so then you yep. you're doing all that that's your first two weeks you get a project yep. plan together yeah and then when so like big picture and then we'll yep. move on to like what implementation looks like um which is what like what's your ROI when you know by the end of this two weeks that y'all spent I I have visions of people spending you know two weeks hold up together in a hotel conference room gee that sounds like fun uh (laughs) yes no that's Um, yeah I doubt most of these happen in like Vail (laughs) no 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 the the ones I've done you know we, we you know you take over a conference room or two in in a plant um, yeah. right. And, and you really have to book it for the project for the duration of the two weeks. Um, or like you say, you go offsite to a, uh, um, to a hotel offsite's probably better, uh, right. because, you know, it's easy to get stopped, you know, cause generally your, your, your highest speed people are going to be on these projects and, you know, if they're going to get stopped every, you know, every time they leave the conference room, <laughs> you know, to solve a problem, right? Uh, Oh, and a critical part of this is generally you've got to have screens down on your laptops for a lot of it, okay? Yeah. You know, you can't have people answering their email, doing their reports. They have to be engaged in this process, which as as a leader, you have to let them be engaged. You have to let them know the business is going to survive without them while they're sure. in this meeting and while they're on this project. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes, so, yeah, that makes sense. Right, and that, that's how you're gonna get your best outcomes. Um, right. So then after those two weeks, then you're, you're, you're still putting together your project plan, but then you're starting to do your gap analysis between the current state and future state processes between the current state and the future state data. This is critical. ERPs are data driven, okay? And you have to, and you're, there, there are some data that are absolutely required, right? The required fields. You have to have part numbers. Um, you have to have financial uh, categories. Um, you know, we won't get into all, the, all those things. But there, there are, um, there are, there's required data in the ERP, and then there's optional data in the ERP. And the optional data is going to be that you need to make decisions on which optional data you're going to use. And that's probably going to be driven by the processes you want to use in the future. Um, so, um, so you do gap analysis and uh, data mapping, okay? How do we do these things today? Where do those data sit? Do I have a list of part numbers? 
you know, do I have a list of safety stocks and minimum order quantities and maximum order quantities and uh, routing times, um, you know, uh, and frequently the ERP is going to require more data than you're using today. So not only do you have to map uh, your from and to data, you know, where, what are your data sources, but frequently you're going to have to create new data, which, which is driven by new processes. Um, and you're only going to know that if you process map really well. Yes. Because that's yes. what shows up the gap between yes. where we want to be and where we are. Right, right. So, uh, so then you incorporate in your project plan, okay, um, you know, what's the timeline for uh, doing the process mapping? Then um, uh, creating the new data. Uh, the other thing that uh, an ERP implementation for is ideal for is data cleansing. Okay, similar oh, to sure. your, your processes, and you know you might not have looked at all your processes. Your data, if if you don't have good data maintenance routines in place, um, your data probably needs cleansing, and that's that's. Um, you know, after your first high-level data mapping, that's kind of your first step then, because first, you know, um, is what scope of data do I bring? Okay. Sure. And in any business that's been running for any period of time, um, unless you have rigorous data management routines in place, the first thing you're going to do is say, okay, what are all the data that we're not using and we're not going to need going forward? How do we identify that? Okay, because you don't because any time spent mapping that data into the new system and uh, and then verifying it got in correctly is wasted time, right? Right. Because you're not going to use it. As Papa Drucker says, there's no point in doing something with great efficiency that should never have been done at all. Right. <laughs> That's exactly. So um, right. Um, you know, so in the material world, which is material master world, which is what I'm most familiar with, that's going to be what are our obsolete products? Okay. And um, um, so making sure is that document? Okay. That's right. not necessarily document. First, do you have a way to document? And then if you have a way to document it, have you really gone through and documented it? Um, right. Okay, so um, typically that's a status, you know, you have an obsolete status. So you move it from an active status to an obsolete status. Um, you right, know. so what it sounds like, you know, we've yep. moved into like, like question, like five, you know, step five mm -hmm. of the process is the day-to-dayness of the implementation. Yeah. And it, and okay. it sounds like the day-to-dayness of the imp implementation is this data cleanse, right? Yep. So we look at discrete things that we do and discrete information, like data that we collect and how, and the discrete ways that we collect it and then say, okay, is this working for us? Is yep. this working against us? Because Lord knows that always happens. Right? Yep. Um, and how are we going to do it? How are we going to do it moving forward? Does yep. that make sense? Yes. Uh, yep, yep. Yep. And then, okay. right. And so, so then from, 
there, how do we know we've done like, like, so this is the validation step. How do we, like, what, like, what part and when does this, you know, as we're going through implementation, do we validate as we go? Can we right. validate no, as you, we go? Like, how does that oh, You work? absolutely can. So um, what I have seen work really, really well in implementations is you do test loads, okay? Oh, sure, okay. Multiple iterations of test loads, okay? So you will often have uh, your first iteration will be testing the configuration with dummy data. Okay, so right. in the ERP world, you have configuration data, master data, and transactional data. Okay, in, and that's in descending order of frequency of change probably is the best way to describe that. Configuration data is going to be what's the business, what are the plants, um, what are your um, I'm not an expert in configuration data, but it, it it's it's okay. the are guts like specifications of, and things in there? No, no. Specifications okay. would be master data. Um, okay. Um Configure, configuration data is more involved in how are we setting up the system in the background and the okay. organization of the data. Okay. Oh, sure. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's like, that's like, for lack of a better way of looking at it, like your accounting codes. You know, we do yeah. this according to, and we're setting up, you know, series 5,000 is this and series 6,000 yeah. is this, and, you know, like yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes and if you have of, multiple businesses yes. or multiple plants, you know, right. you're defining all that as part of your configuration. Then right. Right. master data are all the things that define. And so there's uh, what I have seen is, I think, three standard sets of master data. There's material master data, which define your products. There's customer master data, which defines your customers. And then okay. there's sourcing master data, which defines your suppliers. Okay. And so then okay. your day-to-day -day work of implementation is just discovering what all of that stuff is. Putting all it, those, yeah, all those requirements. Taking, right. Preparing. And transmogrifying them into yes. the new system. Yes. And then, um, and then, and then, yes, you, you should have practice loads. Okay. Okay. And you want to start them early because, and, and I, I, I think I'm, you almost can't do too many practice okay. loads. Every time you do a practice load, you learn something new. Okay. Um, and the other thing is, as much as possible, uh, what I've seen work really well is load real data. There's a temptation to very early on in the project just dummy up some data to prove that all the data structures work and the processes work in the, in the new system. But um, the, generally those are IT folks who are making assumptions about how things work and how the data yeah. will be. Because uh, they're most interested in are all the transactions working and is the data moving around where it's supposed to. And that's all super important. But the people who can really validate that that's going to work in the future state business 
are the people in the business. And what they know is the data they're working with today. So, right. hmm. um, so figuring out a minimum viable product of that data, can we carve off, you know, three or four part numbers, right? And really make those super clean right now. And we'll use right. those for our initial tests. And then you expand that right. scope with each iteration, okay? Right. You know, it's interesting. As somebody who audits validation systems and things like that, it, nothing, mm -hmm. I mean, nothing drives me around the bend where somebody's like, oh, no, we ran this, we validated on like one ham when they run 500 hams at a time. Yeah. Like that yeah. is yeah. meaningless validation data. Right. <laughs> right. And yeah. it's not, it sounds like it's really not that different. And I, as an auditor, can't pass that as a validation study. It's yeah. got to be like reasonably real time. It's got to be, right. yeah, maybe you're not going to sell them because the quality isn't what you want, but okay. You yeah. know, it's, 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 um, but no validation. I totally see right. that, that validation has to be right. um, on the, on, on, on real data. Okay. Right. So then that so. brings us, that's a, like a really good snapshot of what the heck you can be expecting to do on a day-to-day -day basis when involved in one of these projects during implementation yeah. and validation. Yeah. And then of course, step six of the step six of, of, of my process or the final process, the final step in really any process, in my opinion, is after action reporting. Huh? Yeah. Did we did we do what we said we were gonna do? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And if we if we didn't or something else changed, because Lord knows that never happens, um right. how do we then do change management? How do we measure whether or not, and I'm assuming we implemented this somewhere back during implementation, the KPIs, but what are the things that we're actually measuring to know whether we met those results that we right. talked about at the top of the podcast? Right. So you need to define those KPIs. Um, <laughs> and uh, um the, the other, so, so you need to define the KPIs. You need to start measuring KPIs before and after. You need to start measuring your KPIs in your current system in order to know, did, you, did they change? Did you get a positive result? Did you get a negative result? Okay, and, and these KPIs should be tied into your strategy and your values and, um, you know, so if you're not using them already, you gotta start them pretty quick because the time is gonna move quick. And if you don't start measuring your current state, you won't know if something has changed in the future. Okay, or it'll be more difficult to document that something's changed. So uh, you want to um, uh, have, have your KPIs before and after. The, uh, the other thing that I've seen that works really well is um, you develop a set of implementation KPIs, so um, that 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 you use in your first and second weeks after implementation, just to be a very quick check: is did we break a fundamental process in the business? And these are usually throughput KPIs. You know, how many purchase orders did we implement? How many things did we make? How many things did we ship? How many things did we sell? How many invoices did we send out? How many payments did we process? Okay. Um, 
and one thing I've learned is these don't have to be super, super precise, uh, you know, because they're, they're there to be the canaries in the coal mine. And, and um, you know, you want to detect, okay, um, you know, the week before implementation, we were shipping 100 sales orders a day. Okay. Now you would expect day one, day two, you're going to have a, a slow, slow startup, right? Walk, crawl, run. Okay. Um, crawl, walk, run. Yes, right. <laughs> crawl, walk, run. I um, promise, people, he is the father of three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, um, right. So you're going to, you should have a controlled go live on, on day one and day two. But by day three or four, you know, if, if you're shipping 70 sales orders a day, okay. Right. You're not quite where you were because everybody's learning how to do things um, still, right? And that, now the rubber's meeting the road. But if it's five, okay, what happens, right? You know, what, what broke and what do we need to jump on right now and figure out, you know, who, who isn't getting the info they need or what did we miss? You know, what, where's the critical step? Um, but then, um, you know, your, your standard business KPIs, you start measuring that and you measure before and after, um, you know, your on-time delivery rate, your, uh, your sales per week, your uh, orders per week, um, right? And then is the ERP doing these things and helping you do them better? Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, um, your, your process KPIs, um, are, are people actually using the system? Okay. Um, and, uh, th these you do by interviewing people and saying, okay, you know, you got trained on it. Did the training work? Do you know how to use it? Are you actually using it to record the data? Are you still using your old spreadsheets? Um, you know, I, it, it happens all the time. People are comfortable in the old ways, you know. Um, one thing I've been involved, the, the, the ERP implementations I've been involved in is we're replacing an old um, ERP at the end of its lifespan um, with a new ERP. And typically you're going to leave your old ERP on in read mode for some period of time afterwards. Well, you know, how often are you going back to the old ERP to look up data, you know, and why, why can't you find that data in the new ERP? Okay. Um, and if it's historical data, fair enough. Okay. But if it's, you know, what is the definition of this, of this product that should be in the new ERP and that's where you should be looking. What do I have to make this week? That should be in the new ERP. Okay. Um, so, and, and then that, that can be either there's a process uh, gap we didn't anticipate and we need to solve, or um, it can be how do, how do we make people comfortable with using the new, the new ERP, okay? Um, you know, what more training do they need? What did we miss in that, in that right. training plan? Um, because you do have to cut ties with the old system. And then, you know, what are you doing outside of the ERP? What are the new things that you didn't, didn't anticipate? 
you know, this gets into mm -hmm. those bolt-on tools, right? The ERP is going to be a store of your data, but, um, you know, if you're creating a production plan, you know, are you doing that outside of the ERP and Excel and Access? Um, right. You know. So what that almost yeah. sounds like is, is that we look at the, the Stride problem-solving process when we said, mm -hmm. okay, this is what we were aiming for, for our KPI and what, you know, like our goal was when we set out mm -hmm. our results, right? But then, you know, somebody's still, you know, going back to the old system or whatever and not using the, the new system. Can we use yeah. like, good, I'm, I, I can see it happening in my mind. Can we use those strive questions to say, okay, yeah. where is this process falling down? Because often I find out rarely is it actually falling down on training. Um, and, and with technical training on a computer system, sometimes it really is. You mean, I'm supposed to do what and how? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. But sometimes you can show the what and the how and the what and the blah, 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 like that. And people are just not willing to tolerate the discomfort. And the question is why? Right. You know, and if they're feeling financially unsafe, because they think if they do a good job, they're going to lose their job. Right. Right. You've got to uncover that sort of stuff right. and address it so the system is actually used, which goes right. back to the who are we being right. while we're doing this is the same who as we are moving forward and getting progressively better at the ERP. It's right. being tolerant to discomfort. It's trusting. Yes. Right. And it's the leadership and service to the project. Um, right. And, you know, to tie this back to the last podcast we did, not last week, but a while ago on lean, you know, sure. people feeling insecure that they're going to improve themselves out of a job. That is the key thing I have seen in, in American corporations is the commitment to lean and um, to continuous improvement has to involve a commitment to uh, making a safe landing for people who do get improved out of a job. Because if you are, be by definition, if you are more efficient, you need fewer people to run the business, or you can grow the business, hopefully grow the business with the same number of people, right? But no doubt, uh, and we talked about it um, uh, last week, in, or can't remember if it was last week or this week, but in the, um, you know, in where the work is going to move and some jobs will be eliminated by ERP implementations. So have a plan for that, either, uh, you know, figure out where you can use those people in your future state um, or help them, you know, and, and because you will immediately lose credibility um, if you, uh, and, and, and the, and the buy-in from people, if, if they believe and they feel that if I do too much improvement, I'm going to be out of a job and then I have to go find another job. And, right. and a core part of, of, of lean and continuous improvement as implemented in Japan is um, the, the company and the leadership and the HR um, organization, they see a, 
a critical part of the process as helping these people either find new jobs in the company or outside the company. Because people have to have that financial security going forwards or they will resist the change. Right. And if, right. you, and it, if and you resist changing this, none of it, none of it's going to work. Mm. Right, and and that will be a perfectly legitimate and uh, rational economic decision on their part. Sure. Right. Right. People are always going to people, no matter what we do, no matter how many systems right. we put in place. The people are going to people. <laughs> people are going to people, and you know, people, you know, people should be working to live not living to right. work, right? Right. You know, they're there to, you know, to make money. I mean, we know that money is is not the only motivator, but uh, make no mistake about it. People are going in and working every day because they need money to, right. to live they their are, lives. They are trading their time for your money. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, so um, yeah. And, and good servant leadership understands understands that and knows that and 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 will commit to helping helping those people find uh, new places. Um, yeah. No, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of so, sense. So, um, so yeah. And then, um, how do we progressively get better at our ERP? Sorry, I I, I adopted your questioning <laughs> role. How do we, so that's that's part of Plan Do Check Act, right? Plan Do Check Act is a recursive system. It's a it's an iterative system. A continuous improvement. You know the goal is perfection, and you're never going to be perfect. So, um, you know what? Um, you know where where are the challenges now? You know, um, so part of that is you do a debriefing and an after action report and surveys and. Um, um, you know, what went wrong, what went right, you know, um, you, you right. do anonymous surveys, interview people, how was your experience, um, you know, what could we have done better, what did you really learn, and what did, what went well, you know, right. what, what are the things we want to repeat the next time we do this, um, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, uh, it's, this is this critical for all orgs for big businesses it's really critical because you're probably going to be doing multiple erp implementations you want to learn every time you do one sure um so that the next one is better um and but then also this should be part of the dna of your business you know what are our problems what what are our problems what could we do better you know um how how do we do these things better and um, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't meet every goal of your ERP implementation, right? Okay, well, you know, what's still left to be done to get this goal accomplished? Mm -hmm. And you go right. back to the beginning of the cycle, mm -hmm. right? And, yeah. and you should be building in enough capacity in your leadership team at, uh, and in your organization so that people have time to work on improvement right okay um and 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 that and make that part of your company's dna right. is solving problems and continuously improving so an erp is a particularly large example of this but it is at base an improvement project 
Right, right. Okay. okay, well, that is an amazing set of information. Thank you so much, Charlie, <laughs> um, for, for taking Thank your you. time on a Saturday to come and talk about the wonderful world of ERPs and really bring a conversation I think that we basically started having at the beginning of the summer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um into uh into our, our podcast listeners lives that's really quite um really quite valuable and really quite something thank you so much charlie for coming no on I, I thank you mm-hmm. michelle I, I i really appreciate this you know being able to talk about it helps me organize thoughts in my head and you know and uh sure. you know, learn from my experience and then uh hearing you know, because uh, we're re- we really operate in different industries. Um, you know, hearing your take on it uh, informs you know what I do and and uh, helps me be better at at doing this kind of thing, which is going to be a core part of my next my next role. So uh, excellent. Um, yeah. So thank you. I, I really appreciate uh, uh, the time and the interest and. Uh, you know, uh, let us know. Hopefully, uh, I'd, I'd like to know, uh, did this help? Did it raise good questions? Um, you know. Um, right. You know. Well, so here's what I'm going to do with this. So this podcast uh, is, you know, so everybody who's listening, this podcast is going out on the um, uh, on the general broadcast podcast, but this is also going to go into um, the leadership section of our plant manager uh, certification course. And I will be taking questions and answers like in the membership site. So if you're not already in Food Safety University, if you want access to further discussion on this, um, go get yourself into Food Safety University. Come, you know, go to deargofoodsafety.com. Let's book a call. Let's have a conversation about getting you into Food Safety University. You can have all the access you need to this podcast and the ability to ask me questions, which if they're really complicated, I will probably just send my brother an email. <laughs> and Charlie will answer clarifying questions for me. <laughs> I, will, yeah. I will probably have to cook for him the next time I see him, but... <laughs> no, no, that's, that's fine. No, I, I, uh, no I, I'd, I'd really like to know. I'd, I'd, I'd like to know what questions people have. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, did this help? Did this hurt? Did it make sense? What, what could we do better? Right. You know, sure. we, I, every time we do one of these podcasts, I always think, think, come out of it thinking, what could I have done better? Um, right. Well, and that's the question that drives us all. All right, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in again. Thank you, Charlie. You are absolutely the best brother in the whole entire universe for taking your time on a Saturday. Uh, for doing this. Uh, That's what we got, folks. Y'all have a week full of awesome, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Food Safety University podcast. We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, I want you to go to dirigofoodsafety.com and go check out all the things that we have. If you haven't gotten your HACCP download, go get that or book a call with me, and let's talk about getting you into Food Safety University. I'll see you on the inside.